0: You're listening to KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, and KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. Stay tuned. Uh-oh. Good morning. I'm Karen Atabani, and you are indeed listening to TKO. And this morning, uh, support for KZUX comes from our members and Ivy Accounting and Payroll Services in Willits. specializing in bookkeeping, payroll services for local agricultural businesses, and more. Serving all of Mendocino County for more information at Ivyaccounting.com, or you can call 895 895- or eight nine four eight nine let's try that again four eight nine four five eight six thank you for the underwriting and i just want to shout out to everybody who contributed and pledged uh two weeks ago when i was in we were doing the flash drive it came out well i just want to thank everybody because it's important that we keep the airwaves going all right this morning on the air with me is john mccowan let's see if we can get him up john are you there
1: Uh, Yes, good morning.
0: Good morning, and he's on the phone with me because we're doing our good social distancing, aren't we, John?
1: absolutely
0: (laughs) absolutely um yeah we got some nasty numbers for the county we got nasty numbers for the country um i'm just going to put it out there i know people probably hear it all the time but i just have to say it we have over 260,000 people that have died in the united states we're up to well over 18,000 in the state of california and at mendocino county we have 22,000 22 people that have died so uh, folks this is not a hoax folks this is real uh, the numbers are doing nothing but going up I'm hiding on the hills more and more every uh, time this goes up uh, it's real folks It's real. And just because there are vaccines on the horizon, that horizon for you and I, the common person, uh, is way out. We're talking probably late spring, maybe summer next year. So this is not something to be taken lightly. And I know that John McCowan will say that also, won't you, John?
1: Well, I'd actually like to chime in, if I may, Karen.
0: You may, sir.
1: Well, uh, it's very obvious. We're seeing a very significant surge in cases uh, locally, uh, fortunately, uh, although we've had an increase in hospitalization so far. A few people are winding up in the intensive care unit, uh, and our death rate is staying low. That's good. However, with the dramatic increase in cases, I'm very concerned that it will overwhelm the ability of our public health heroes to do the case investigation and contact tracing, which is necessary to try and limit further spread. So you can see the potential that this is rapidly getting out of control. Uh, The last 10 days, we've had an average of, uh, I think, approximately 20 cases a day, dramatically up from what it was uh, just a few weeks ago. So... I know the holidays are coming up, we're very social people, we want to see our friends, especially our family, but really think about what could be the end result of that. Uh, The primary driver for the surge in cases is informal social gatherings, people getting together with their friends and families from different households, mixing households, Uh, People can be asymptomatic, you can be exposed to coronavirus, it can take several days before symptoms develop, or they may not develop at all, but you can still be infectious. So uh, it's very insidious the way this spreads, and the way to stop it really is to avoid gatherings, uh, be sure to mask up when around other people, and practice social distancing, uh, six feet or more of separation, even if you're wearing a mask, and you know just because uh your coworkers doesn't mean it's okay to take your mask off in the break room. we've seen that drive outbreaks, so again, please follow the safety protocols let's help get this under control. let's not overwhelm our health care system. Thank and, you,
0: yep, and let me just reintroduce that's John McCowan. he is the outgoing uh second district supervisor yeah i was just i had to stop a moment there you know it always seems like you should be the first but for some reason it's the second district it is the populace so john is outgoing uh and uh mo mulhern is coming in into your seat so this i mean it's not going to be the last time i have john on the air he and i've been doing radio for many more years than we want to talk about but i'm sure because of the time frame um I'd be made the last one as a sitting supervisor. So I did, um, I streamed, I'm sadistic as everybody knows. I actually streamed the last board meeting and I try to stay in touch with what's going on with the board. But I wanted uh, John to help us look at a few things that are going on with, a, they did a budget update as to where we're at with our budget was kind of a big focus not a big focus but a big chunk of the last board meeting uh which was good i mean i didn't see any numbers but i saw trends what they were talking about um i don't know if you get to see numbers but we have been there's been a lot of money coming in from the state and i believe the federal government also to deal with this covid in the county is that correct john Are you
1: there? Absolutely. There has been a huge influx of funds, um, you know, CARES Act funding from the federal government rooted through the state and then also additional state funding.
0: So our budget doesn't seem to be as badly impacted by the COVID as I think we all thought it could be. Uh, I didn't see, like I said, I didn't see any numbers. Um, I also will say there was a $6 million rollover from last year is what I grasped through that meeting. Um, So it looks like we're holding our own with the impact of COVID. Our staffing at the county level is getting hit inter- intermittently with people having to be quarantined, people being sick. Um, you know, I think we lost uh, we lost uh, one of our uh, one of the employees that I know of in the recorder, um, registrar, voter's office. Unfortunately, that happened in the spring. So that part has been an impact on the the staffing and you know, being closed down. So that's happening. But financially, it seems like we're holding our own. Is that kind of what you're feeling?
1: Well, that's true. I think the numbers uh, came out better than we had expected that they would. At the end of the fiscal year, uh, June 30th, uh, the county had a fund balance of $6.1 million after after... Uh, zeroing out all of the cost overruns for the various departments. And we always have some departments that are uh, over budget. Uh, So that all got zeroed out. There was 6.1 million uh, fund balance remaining. Uh, We dealt with that on November 17th when we had the first quarter budget report. But um, Financially, the county is in pretty good shape, and I think that's largely attributable to actions that the board has taken over the last 10-plus years, uh, starting with the Great Recession and uh, building up significant reserves. So even if we had had something of a shortfall, the county has reserve funds available to uh, help us to avoid... Having to think about layoffs or uh, salary cuts, uh, you know, that was very difficult, very controversial, uh, left bitter feelings among um, some of our employees. And recently, just last year, the board voted uh, significant uh, salary increases, a uh, three-year uh, package. And we are fully going to honor that. And even if we didn't have a positive fund balance from uh, last year, we still have reserves. And I believe the board is absolutely committed to honoring our commitment to our employees.
0: Well, and that that's very important, uh, listeners. I just want you to know that's very important because one of the things that's happened in the many the past years is that the salary rate for our employees compared to the surrounding uh, counties has always been a little bit below what you'd call the average. So we've had uh, a hard time attracting uh, staffing and filling staffing positions. I know there's a lot of staffing positions that are still open that they're trying to fill. So I think it's really important that there is that commitment that we keep our staffing well-paid and competitive so that we can get good quality people in the government here. So uh, that's an important Well,
1: one. <clears throat> Well, and we still do struggle with that. Uh, we're never going to be able to Consistently match what people can get if they're willing to drive or relocate an hour or two hours uh, south of us, but we we have to maintain some level of uh, competitiveness. And again, we've been you know gradually rebuilding our wages, and we took a pretty good step forward last year. Uh, We're still not going to compete with Marin County, obviously. But, um, and we do still struggle to fill positions and to retain them. And in fact, Supervisor Williams raised that uh, on November 17th in regards specifically to planning and building. And we rely on planning and building for uh, a lot of things, uh, as implied by the title of the department. They're also managing our cannabis program. But they they have to have enough people with enough experience to be able to do it. So, uh, Supervisor Williams suggested: Should we augment uh, current pay in hopes that we can fill the vacant positions and then retain? Uh, the planners once they're hired.
0: Well, I know you really wanted, you said you wanted five minutes to talk about cannabis, so you kind of opened the door on this one. I'll give you that. Um, One of the things that came up on that discussion about building and planning, which is overseeing the cannabis compliance, is they were talking about doing outside contract labor, bringing it in. Did I I miss that or did that get approved? Are they going to be doing that, the building department? Brett well, were talking I understand about that.
1: they've put out a request for proposals. Um, you know, I don't think this is uh, anything that the board uh, discussed or that was approved by the board, but uh, quite a few things seem to happen that way. Uh, but obviously that's an effort to, uh, to get some uh, help into that department so that we can... Uh, be more efficient in processing the cannabis applications. But the big disconnect is our current ordinance, which is specific to Mendocino County only. And we, I will say, waste a lot of time getting planners trained up on, here's how you apply our unique to Mendocino County only ordinance. And we need to shift to a... uh, land use permitting system uh, that would be based on use permits, administrative permits, every planner uh, fresh out of planner school totally knows how, well not totally, but they're very familiar with the use permit process. If you hire a planner with any experience, they know how to sit down and process a use permit They don't know how to administer our very complicated ordinance. And so our uh, more experienced people, including our chief planner, wind up training people, here's how our convoluted, unique to Mendocino County ordinance works, and we get them trained up on that, they leave, the process starts over again. So it's not an efficient use of staff time. It's also not satisfying the state in terms of site-specific CEQA, which would be accomplished by the use permit process so
0: i know this has been this has been a hot topic or a frustrating topic i know you and ted williams and have been banging your head against the wall since spring i think or i don't it's been a long time about our ordinance and how it's just so convoluted as you say and the only one like it um has has where are we at with getting that taken away so we just rely on the state and make it a simple process because i got to tell you humboldt's way ahead of us how close are we to getting uh, this straightened out <coughs> <laughs> well yeah.
1: the board he chuckles. the board has given direction 4 to 1 to develop a an ordinance based on a land use permitting system however the one is the current chair of the board, and he has succeeded in blocking development of that ordinance uh, using authority that he doesn't actually have, but apparently people are pretending that he does. Of course, I'll be gone next year, so who cares what I think, uh, and they'll still have to work with uh, this guy. But uh, it's very frustrating, and there's several uh, factors we need to separate out. One is the need for a new ordinance. So whatever the uh, provisions of the ordinance are, if we want to satisfy the state with site-specific CEQA, have something all of our planners understand, we would have a land-use permit-based ordinance. That is a related but separate topic. Should we issue new permits in rangeland or not? And a related but separate topic of should we allow people to scale up and increase production or not? So those are all uh, related, but they should be taken one by one. And we absolutely need to have a more comprehensible ordinance. So wait a minute. The so, other issue. Okay. Oh, go b- ahead.
0: But wait a minute. I'm just curious. Does, does Is Humboldt doing it that way? I mean, isn't there a county somewhere in this state that's doing it the way you're proposing, where we just take their ordinance and plug in Mendocino County where it says the other county's name well I mean, it I feels it like we're recreating
1: not the wheel here. That simple but I, I think most counties are doing some form of a use permit which does get you to the site-specific CEQA that the state says they have to have but so what we have now are uh 1100 applicants 250 permits that we have approved But uh, we're having a great difficulty satisfying the state that any of our permits meet the state criteria. Now, uh, Supervisor Williams and Supervisor Haschek have been working incredibly diligently and persistently on trying to resolve this issue with the state and get the state to yield and recognize that our environmental review, which was done on a programmatic level, mitigated negative declaration, Uh, We're trying to convince the state that's acceptable. If the state does not yield, then all of these current applicants have no other option. Uh, It's a pass-fail because they are being issued permits ministerially, which is basically like a building permit. You submitted your papers. They're in order. Here's your permit. We cannot attach a condition to it or it's no longer ministerial. And we find that many of the applicants have changed something from what they submitted to the department originally. They've moved their garden, they've built a building, a dozen other different things. And you can't just approve it because it's different from what it was. You need to be able to attach conditions. We can't do that with our current ordinance. They fail unless we have a land use permit-based system. Our current applicants will have No other option, no place to go.
0: So So. I, so I know, and and they have. We have a cannabis hour where they've been covering this a lot, and it just, I, I just have to say, I know that Ted Williams and Jack are trying to work towards this. I have just never understood why in the emerald triangle we in mendocino county have had such a difficult time trying to work within the state's regs and get our people in the in the process when the counties around us seem to be doing a better job so uh just to wrap up cannabis because this could go on for days i assure you (laughs) i've listened to the board and i've heard it go on for days um if if people are interested in this how do they get involved in the process to help move it forward or us as listeners and i'm not in the cannabis industry so i mean it's relevant to me because i have friends and i know it's a it's a money maker it's going to bring in money into the county if we can get do it just get it done right so it works so how do you where do you tell people to go if they want to help move this process along call their supervisor
1: well and and first it is bringing money into the county, and I'm I'm actually not one that says, "Gee, what a boon cannabis has been," and it's been so wonderful and lucrative for Mendocino County. Uh, you know, I, I'm not on that bandwagon, but now that it is becoming uh, legalized and coming above ground, uh, in fiscal year uh, 2019-20, we received 5.8 million in cannabis tax. Uh, considerably above expectations, the uh, the first quarter report said we are a million above the current year projection already, just after the first quarter.
0: Yeah.
1: So we do need to get this figured out because it's one of the few line items that is actually uh, trending above projections from Mendocino County. I for income for the income people side. People who. I would encourage people who are concerned about this issue, contact your supervisors, especially the incoming supervisors. Let them know what your thoughts are. Uh, But it's very difficult. The biggest, one of the biggest casualties of the uh, pandemic has been public input. So I personally am very concerned about the way public input has been diluted. We have a very difficult, apparently, process for people to get through to be able to make public comment. Uh, they're cut off mid-sentence after their, you know, three minutes is up. Maybe they're been twenty seconds of grace, and boom, you're gone. Well, let, uh, a that's a good segue. Environment from everyone participating virtually yeah. than if you had a situation where people could be sitting in the board chambers collectively looking at their elected representatives as they are uh, making decisions. So the public has uh, substantially been frozen out of the picture, unfortunately.
0: Well, that's a good segue, because that's one of the... I have to tell you, because I have been known in the past as you know you've seen me show up on critical issues that are important to me I'll show up into the boardroom and you know you show up with 50 60 people you make an impact you the supervisors understand wow the community really wants this to go I am indeed having a difficult time with the input and being able to download all the paperwork necessary being able to tune in at the right time if I you know, you've got to sit through eight hours streaming online or you got to try to, you know, fast forward to find the right spot for the topic you want to hear. Uh, are you hearing from um, community members that they're having a tough time with this? I know we have to do it in the pandemic, but this whole online thing is, is really, I feel, crimping public input and access.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I've heard from people that I consider to be very uh, technologically um, Uh, And and they have a hard time uh, penetrating our system to be able to get through. And then, as you say, uh, how long do you have to sit and wait until your item comes up? And uh, I think it has had the effect of significantly discouraging uh, public input and diluting its impact on the board.
0: Yeah, it sounds like we're going to have to do a lot of emailing, I
1: guess. Potentially, the board will return to open session in January. They're planning for that. It's always subject to what are conditions at the current time. And this is something the board's never actually been asked. All these decisions are being made administratively behind the scenes. But that's the current uh, statement that's being put out there Uh, planning for a return to uh, actual open session uh, in January. But I I think the uh, new board members uh, will hopefully bring the perspective of the public. They've just recently been out on the campaign trail hearing directly from the public, and I hope they'll bring those concerns forward.
0: And let me just state that the the two new supervisors are Mo Mulhern and... um oh jeez okay help me glenn Glenn mcgordy McGordy. god i just spaced it i am getting senior moments i've got to tell you been on the air so many years all right let me just break in and say uh i'm karen adobani this is tko and you're listening to john mccowan he's a second district supervisor on his way out when he's officially a lame duck um and we're just talking about some of the county things that are going on uh I know we've all been going through the COVID thing. I got to tell you, John, I like the idea of opening the chambers back up, but I just don't see this pandemic slowing down just around the month in January. I see it keep going stronger for a while. But, yeah, it does make it really hard to get input and to find out what's going on.
1: So, um, Well, and I'll agree with you. So, again, yeah. the qualifiers that everything is constantly being reevaluated. So. But I think there needs to be a a way to better accommodate the public. So uh, even if the board weren't in chambers, potentially with proper social distancing, you could uh, have the public have the chance to participate more directly, uh, come up to the podium, uh, make their statement. Uh, One way or another, I think we have to improve uh, public access to our decision-making process.
0: Yep, I, but I do really appreciate it being on uh, YouTube and streaming it. I do, I will say that. That is really nice to do. So, um, one of the things that really jumped out at me uh, on the last last week at the Board of Supervisors meeting is something that I hadn't picked up on before, and I just really want to get it out to the listeners, because... Uh, it's something, it's it's money that's come into the county. So what happened is, I guess this was announced in July, John told me, is that we've actually, Mendocino County, got a chunk of money from PG&E, believe it or not, because of the fire fund when they got, they had to pay out a big chunk of money about all the fires that they have created. So what happened is Mendocino County got $23 million from the PG&E settlement. And this... This came up under discussion, I think you actually brought it up, under the consent calendar of all places. I tried to go restream it last night, and again, frustrated I couldn't find that particular stream, or section of it. Um, I personally had not heard about that. I've been focused on national news until now. Uh, But we've got this $23 million, and I wasn't real clear on how the money can be spent. If it's discretionary money, is that part of now discretionary money, the discretionary bu- budget where the supervisors and get to decide where that money goes? Is it pre-designated? And that's a good chunk of money that could help rebuild Potter Valley, could possibly help, you know, get roads accessible, get tr- uh, trees trimmed. You know where I'm going with this. So can you give us a little uh, background on the money, where it's at, do we, I would love to have the public get involved in how this gets spent, so go for it, John.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Karen. <laughs> Is that so a good the introduction? County, the county did receive uh, approximately $22.6 million in a settlement from PG&E. This related to the uh, Potter Valley and Redwood Valley fires and losses that the county was able to claim. Uh, this was a negotiation involving several counties and PG&E. The counties agreed am- uh, among themselves, here's the percentage that we will get of any particular settlement that uh, comes forward. And then agreement was reached with PG&E. The $22.6 million is the county's share. Uh, I do believe these are discretionary funds, uh, which is both risk and opportunity. Uh, The risk is the Board of Supervisors could potentially spend it just about any way they want for any legitimate general fund purpose. Uh, The opportunity is, as you say, potentially it could help in the rebuilding, Uh, something that I think would be appropriate. Let's make sure that our emergency communication system is properly built out. Uh, This was the subject of a recent grand jury report, uh, and also something the board's been aware of and working towards for quite a while with our IT master plan, Uh, we know that there's a critical need to upgrade our facilities. So, you know, this is something the funds could be used for, but it'd be great to hear from the public. But the current plan, uh, first of all, has been to discourage any discussion again these funds were received back in july uh, the board has had no discussion on it whatsoever uh, it seems to me it would be legitimate and this will be the new board uh, coming in in january i expect this will be on their uh agenda but it'd be great to have a brainstorming session among the board members and the public what are the appropriate ways to spend this money but the uh, plan, as announced by the executive office, is they will present a list of priority recommendations to the board. So it it seems to somewhat uh, undercut the role of the board as being the policymakers for the county, and it's very appropriate to get recommendations from the administration, but A big chunk of money like this, uh, potentially without any restrictions, I think the starting point should be a board-based discussion, interacting with the public, instead of getting presented with a neat little package uh, that has had no public input. So, wait a
0: minute. Um, What I just grasped from that is that you, the Board of Supervisors, has not been asked about, hey, what, what do you see the priorities for this money? You haven't set the priorities. Correct. It's going to come from the CEO's office,
1: correct? Uh, correct. So That's other correct. than a, a bit of discussion during budget, and then I've brought it up a couple of times when we have disaster-related issues and there's a concern, where's the money coming from? Well, we have $22.6 million in the bank. I think we could spend a modest amount of money uh, to make sure we're covering, uh, disaster related, uh, issues. But, uh, but no, there's been, uh, no agenda item before the board dealing with this and very little discussion. And that discussion only incidental to other agenda items, uh, such as on November 17th, the first quarter budget report. But if you examine the, uh, all of the materials put forward by uh, staff, there's not the slightest mention of this uh, money. Yeah, which, I, which mean, I just find to be very curious.
0: Well, that's why it jumped out at me. I'm the one that tracks the money and stuff, and I and I watch the budget, and I I know what is discretionary and what's already preordained, and you guys can't fiddle with. But this is a chunk of money that in my humble opinion okay listeners you know that i have a humble opinion um i would want this money to be directed at fire safety fire clear you know what i mean it it came from a fire it came because of the fires it should go into preventing that or helping people that were burned out that kind of stuff i would rather see you do that than it to go for staff overtime in some department because it could potentially do that it sounds like
1: so well there you if go. it were overtime related uh directly to the
2: right, the fire right, right, right. disaster
1: right. Yeah. but no i i agree with you and i i think you could make a good case that uh the bulk of the money should be put into something like a disaster recovery fund or a emergency service preparedness fund Um uh, Yeah, I'm sure some of our. Let's make make sure that all of our emergency services infrastructure is properly upgraded. uh, That our emergency operations center is properly equipped. That all of our uh, county employees have the equipment they need to respond uh, to emergency situations. And how how about some of our? Wait, how about some of our small? what portion should be used to help the community recover?
0: Well, that's it, and I'm so, and our, our small local fire departments that are all pretty much, you know, running hand to mouth. That's the kind of stuff. All right, so, okay, so this is a great discussion, and this is where we're kind of at the forefront. I mean, the CEO's office said uh, they were going to come back with some suggestions, I think, in January, that they were just too busy with COVID and all this stuff to deal with it now. So they're looking at January to come back with a proposal. So there is a time period where, right now, if we, the community, wanted to get involved, where do we take that energy? We call our supervisor?
1: We call Well, the- I think it would be very appropriate for people to contact their supervisors and start raising the issue of um, if the public would like it, and I think they would. Before we come with a uh, prepackaged list of recommendations, let's have some discussion of what are the appropriate uses of these funds.
0: Yeah, it seems, yeah, because I could see them coming out, I could see the CEO's office coming out with their priorities in January, then having to go back and do all this discussion with the public and draw out the process. That's what it seems like to me. I think I'd rather get the input
1: first. it it could go that way, or the prepackaged set of recommendations could be presented, approved the same day, and it's a done deal.
0: That's very true. That's very true.
1: All right, and let me say, let me say, the recommendations that the administration has made over time, and uh, first quarter budget report being the most recent, they're very solid recommendations. They're they're very defensible. They're very appropriate, but particularly with this uh, chunk of money and where it was derived from. It just seems very appropriate to have a broader public discussion to help inform the board's decision before this uh, gets decided.
0: Yeah, that would be a nice process to say. That would be indeed a nice process. All right, listeners, I'm Karen Audubonny, I got John McAllen on, and we're talking about all kinds of county issues. So we dealt a little bit on COVID. I want to say Alicia Bales has been doing a great job of having uh, Dr. Corrin on and uh, Drew Colfax. There is nothing happening today or Friday because of the holidays. So Alicia Bales will be back on Monday at 3 o'clock to do another COVID update, which I'm sure after the holiday season should be a, an intense show. But one of the things that's come down that was came up at the board level was there is now this COVID update curfew and so I, I know John wanted to say a couple things about it and um, I wanted to get in that there was a statement from the sheriff Matt Kendall came out and said look at the same situation with the mass. we're going to educate we're going to do that kind of stuff but we're we're not going to go bust people's parties we're not going to get involved with the enforcement on the curfew So that's the sheriff's uh, position on that. You can go to his Facebook site or he must have a website to see his statements. Um, But what he did say is if you do have an issue, just like with the masks, just like the businesses that were not doing masking, you're supposed to call the COVID call center and let them know. What your issues are if you're seeing big crowds, or if you're seeing businesses that are open after 10 o'clock, and they're not supposed to be. So what he's saying is you need to call the COVID call center. So everybody, if you don't know that number, don't call nine don't call the sheriff's office. You're gonna call the COVID center, and that number is 472-2759. 472-2759. 2,759 so that lays out what the sheriff says now whether that's going to work or not uh, John go for it (laughs) he's got you there John
1: Uh, yes thank you I I think the emphasis absolutely should be on um, reminding people to follow all the appropriate safety protocols and the sheriff has done that in his statements we should be masking, we should be social distancing, uh, we should be avoiding gatherings. The imposing a curfew coming from someone who doesn't follow his own advice, unfortunately, I think, has become a distraction, and I question how effective it will be. We're having the surge in cases, certainly in Mendocino County, because of the informal gatherings. So, telling the people that are already not following the guidelines to now you have to stay home between these hours, Uh, I don't think that the people that need to get the message are going to be too impressed by this new restriction. So again, we really need to be doubling down on you need to avoid gatherings, and here is why. You need to keep masking, you need to keep social distancing. So um uh, I absolutely support all the appropriate safety protocols but um, i I question often the the way that the state is going about things
0: okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna put you on the on the hot spot just a bit here because when I look at the covid uh, what do they call that the the board whatever they call it that gets posted with the new updates on how many
1: Oh, the data dashboard. There,
0: dashboard. That's what they call it. Thank you, a dashboard. Um, where I see the big outbreak is in Ukiah Valley, which is your district. Um, is so. I know you've been involved in the whole discussion at the county level about it. Is anything special being done in the Ukiah, City of Ukiah because the numbers there are just like like triple anyplace else or more. Um, well, and going up uh, daily. Strict, uh, that seems to be where the
1: pocket strictly- is. City of Ukiah, it's also Redwood Valley, Potter Valley, uh, Calpella, all of these areas are in the Ukiah area. Um, I have been an advocate of Promotores de Salud, which would recruit people directly from our Spanish-speaking community. Uh, Some of them could be monolingual Spanish speakers. This has actually been part of our surge, uh, has been uh, monolingual sp- Spanish speakers and also uh, native Spanish speakers in general. So we did uh, finally approve a Promotores de Salud program with Nuestra Alianza de Willets, and uh, they are going to be, they have recruited their Promotores and they are going to be uh, going out to the community to uh, inform them of, here's the safety protocols, here's why they're important. And I, I am very optimistic that that will be uh, helpful, not only with COVID, but for the long term of helping address the very obvious health inequities that exist. We know there's a great disparity uh, we are not reaching uh, a good part of our population, and I think this will be a way to do it. Unfortunately, it would have been really great to start this about three months ago.
0: You just said what um, I was going to say. It would have been great to start it six months ago, actually, but let's not go back. Uh, yeah,
1: then. absolutely. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we've known that there's been a uh, disparity in... Uh, the case rates among different ethnic groups, and we've known that. I think it showed up probably as early as April, certainly certainly by uh, early May.
0: Yeah, and the trend just kept getting worse. So you know what? Um, It's about, it's almost quarter to 10. I'm going to be out of here at 10, but uh, I would like to open the lines up because this is i don't know that it'll be the last time you'll be on the air but as a lame duck supervisor gosh i like saying that
1: um do do we have to keep using the term lame duck
0: i know it's just Ah. it sounds so much fun it just sounds good i'm I, i i'm using it at the national level let's put it that way but anyway all right so but you've put in your time john how long so you were on the you've been on the board of supervisors for what 12 years
1: no It'll be twelve years.
0: Yeah, twelve years. But then you were on the city council for Ukiah for how long?
1: Uh, four years.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's not. I thought it was longer than that. So anyway.
1: Well, I oh, was on we, the county planning commission oh yeah i forgot about uh, that seven years i know city planning commission for a year you're just a glutton
0: for government punishment but i got to tell you i personally want to thank you for all the work you've done because you do come from a different perspective a lot on these on these issues and uh, as you've been on the board of supervisors you know you you raise a lot of different issues and you come from it a different perspective and i've always really appreciated that i don't always agree with you but i do appreciate having you there to you know make sure we're all staying on top top of it so i am going to open up the lines to the listeners just so they can have access to you <laughs> at the and here we go eight nine five two four four eight if you'd like to call and get a quick question or comment um and wow let's see we got somebody calling in already john so we're going to take that call okay hang on here good morning caller you are on the air with us
2: are you there? oh uh, good morning another great show from a great radio station thank you so much um I did have a, one very simple suggestion on what to do with the P G E and e funds. Uh, I, I think it might be appropriate, since we do have discretionary use, and that is to make N95 masks available, everywhere to everyone in the county, at at least at no cost, or if nothing else, at some cheap cost. This has been going on for nine months, and it's still a struggle to try to find one of the simplest prevention methods that we have, and that is to wear a nice mask and be able to not have to wear it for six months in a row. And during the the fires, during the, the smoky weather, I wore mine just to protect myself against the smoke, and these masks actually, uh, finally they're admitting that they do have an effect to protect the individual from the virus getting into them. So I think it would be a great idea to set aside a few bucks and get these masks appropriated and distributed throughout the county, hopefully at no cost, uh, like they did during the fires three or four years ago at uh, the libraries handing them out. And, All right. I, mean, uh, I could rattle on forever, but good I'll, suggestion. Uh, listen to the radio now. All
0: right, thanks a lot. That's a good suggestion. And maybe that's what we should do, just have an open lines on what we should do with that money, John. I'm going to get another caller on. That,
1: that's good. a great idea. Yep. Well,
0: well, that's weird. All right. I'm going to try another caller. That was weird phone stuff. Nope, not there. I'm just pushing buttons here. Here, we're going to get a caller on now. Good morning, caller. Are you on the air? Hello, caller. Hi. Call? Hi. Uh, I got the I, right button this time. we' am over
1: here on the Mendocino Coast here. Yes. And w- one thing I didn't understand is, And when the virus blew up over here on the coast is when you opened up all the Airbnbs and hotels. Why did you do that? And why are they open now?
0: Because the state said they could.
1: Oh, okay. That's kind of it, isn't it, John? The the state said they could. The state and also the local public health, and although from day one people feared that tourism would uh, drive a huge surge in cases of Mendocino County, we have had incredibly few cases related to uh, lodging. So, you know, the, the fears thus far have proven unfounded. I think we have to learn how to try to conduct uh, normal activities with an awareness we're in very abnormal times, and we have to be very stringent about practicing all possible safety protocols.
0: I mean it's working, I have to say. I heard a report uh, from, uh, it was Sacramento, I know it was California Report or something last week. I re-listened to it about how the uh, people looking at public health and who's handled it correctly, they point out San Francisco. San Francisco locked down early, they did masks, they did uh, a lot of things that other states didn't do. And if you look at the numbers... They're looking at San Francisco as a prototype, as how it should be done and how it was done. And I really feel that that bubble of how they did it so well in San Francisco has extended up here. So that's just my opinion, but let's get another caller. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with John McCown and me.
3: Oh, good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to just ask a question about um, businesses and especially um, restaurants or businesses where food is being served. Um, what, is, there a, is, it, is there either a guidance or an order uh, for um, clear displays on the outside saying that, um, that you have to wear a mask if you're coming in? If, you, if you're not, then you ought not to come in. Is, this, is that the case in the county, or is there just guidance, or is it actually a, a policy now?
0: Uh, it's a policy. I think well, isn't is
1: it, is it, I do believe it's a public health officer order that right. every place of business must display signage that masking is required. If you're sick, don't come in. Those types of things. Uh, I believe that's been an order for months now. So every business should have that posted prominently uh, at the entrance.
3: Yeah, and presumably uh, yeah, with, uh, in Spanish also, I should think, yes?
0: Yes,
3: they've uh, been working yeah. on that.
0: Yeah, they got those yeah. posters out within about three months, they started doing that, so,
3: yeah. Right, and just a follow-up question. Um, for you, John, uh, what, what, is, what is your guidance for if, if, if people do come into places like that um, and are not wearing a mask um, or refuse to wear a mask, Um, What's your guidance for the owners of,
1: you know, either restaurants or places serving food? So I I believe that they are required to inform the people that masks are required, but the businesses are not required to deny service. Uh, I kind of think maybe they should be, with the understanding that if you get a really recalcitrant customer that re- absolutely refuses to uh, kind of back off, serve them, and report them. Because no one should be going into a business without a mask. And I I have no sympathy for those people. I would uh, cite them and find them uh, without hesitation. Right. Because they're endangering other people. They're not just making a decision that impacts them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a situation
3: um, a week or so ago where exactly that happened. And uh, this fellow not wearing a mask was very abusive. And um, he called me, I won't even say what he called me, but anyway, I just, well, it's just for our, you know, it's just common sense and for our safety. But it didn't seem to work. But, you know, I didn't want to press the point, of course.
0: All right. Well, thank you for the call.
1: Yeah, you bet. Thank you. But in those situations, I would suggest report that person, especially if it's documented with a lot of businesses. Uh, you know, they, they know who they're dealing with. Uh, again, we need to be wearing masks, social distancing avoid gatherings.
0: I will say I uh, needed to go to Ukiah to do uh, shopping for you know, diesel and things, it's going to last me for a year, get it over with uh, on Monday, and everywhere I went, people were masked it was very refreshing Uh, it was very refreshing to see, so I know it's happening generally, but you know, you're always going to have a few people that resist that. So, uh, 895 2448. And let me say
1: if your mask is under your nose, you're not really wearing (laughs) wearing the mask i'm
0: sorry it's true you don't want anything exposed so anyway yeah i mean it's we're to the point now where we need to protect ourselves uh wear your masks wash your hands stay social a distance uh you know have a nice quiet thanksgiving at home i think the saying is stay safe at thanksgiving so you don't have a christmas in icu i think that's the saying that's been going around a lot so we've got some time left if you want to get one last call in 895-2448 or john and i will just keep going on here talking about things that are going on so johnny topics that we didn't hit that you'd like to get out in the last few minutes we have
1: Oh, gosh, there's uh, such a range of things. And this has been one of my concerns is with the focus on COVID and appropriately, a lot of the regular county business that should be coming before the Board of Supervisors has been delayed to the point of falling off the back of the stove. It's not even on the back burner in some cases. And I think we have to find a way So clerk of the board staff is doing a great job under very difficult conditions, uh, shorthanded often. Whatever we need to do, and this will be for the new board, do we need to get additional resources? Uh, Do we need to do some things differently? But we have to find a way to keep the regular ongoing business of the county occurring on an up-to-date way, at the same time as we're dealing with the COVID emergency,
0: so give me give me a couple of those topics, just so I know that I can keep my eye on them, because the, and our listeners will too. So, what are some of the things you think are following in the tracks?
1: Well, well, one thing the board gave direction on uh, regarding the controversial purchase of a motel on uh, South Orchard Avenue to be used for Project Home Key. The board gave direction that there would be an agenda item before the board to give the board the opportunity to attach conditions to the project. The board gave that direction. Uh, That item is not coming forward. It was supposed to occur after Senator McGuire's town hall. He did a great town hall. I think many of the public's uh, questions were addressed but it's not the same as having a board agenda item where the public can be heard before the board and the board can attach appropriate conditions. So that's just one example, but also the uh, new ordinance for a land-use-permitting system for cannabis seems to have fallen completely by the wayside. Well, is that because and, they haven't figured it, it out? If we, don't, if we don't have an effective... A permitting system where someone can actually get a permit at the end of the day, uh, people are going to fail. So it's great to be working on the current ordinance and trying to get people through that process. We need to have a fallback or, uh, you know, they lose out entirely.
0: Okay, those are two big issues. The hotel one is a big issue. I um, actually, when I was in Ukiah, I went by and I saw there's a big blue tarp over what had been the big West Best Western sign on the highway. So everybody knows as you're going by on 101, you now know where that hotel is that we bought, right?
1: Well, and we have bought it. Escrow is closed. Remodeling is occurring to uh, put it into its new use for. Uh, housing for people who have been homeless or at risk of homeless. These people have been carefully vetted. They will have case managers. They will be paying a portion of their income for rent. Uh, We can't complain about, look at all the homeless on the street, and then fight every project that is attempting to get people into housing.
0: That's very true. Um, You know, one other thing that I didn't mention that will help us out financially, too, is both of the fires, the August fire and the Oak fire, have now been declared national disasters. So that gets us some federal money. Is that correct? And state money? I think. John, isn't that correct?
1: Yes. And people who were survivors of those fires, they're now eligible to get assistance from FEMA particularly with cleaning up the fire debris right? and also for temporary housing and and other assistance.
0: So so that's the August fire and the Oak fire. Uh, The other interesting little snippet that came out of that is uh, if it's a cannabis uh, property and the damage was done to your cannabis stuff, that that isn't covered. The feds won't cover that. That was just a little sideline, folks, if you're out there. So if you got caught in one of those fires...
1: a holdover of federal prohibition, and yeah. when are we going to put the nail in that coffin? Uh, you know, federal prohibition continues to be one of the biggest problems uh, blocking us from having a truly rational cannabis policy.
0: And a banking system around it. Well, maybe n- not that we've either one of us have mentioned it, but maybe with the new coming, incoming administration at the federal level and with having so many states now legalized it in various forms, maybe the, within the next four years, you and I might actually see something on a federal level. Wouldn't that one be? One would
1: hope so, although I think uh, President-elect Biden has not necessarily been on the right page In the past, let's hope uh he's willing to take a logical step forward now.
0: Well, he does yeah, he's got he's gotten a pretty good pretty good crew together. All right, you know what? I've got less than a minute left. I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna let you go. John McCowan, have a great, safe holidays coming up. Thank you so much for being available on the air. And thank you again for all the great service you've done. All right. Thank you. All right. I look forward to hearing from you again in the future on a different level. Thanks so much all right folks it's the holiday seasons please please be safe social distance wear your mask we can all get through this but we're going to have to work together um it's an interesting time and do take some time if you get a chance and stay up with what's going on at the county level we do they do need our input They do want our input. I don't know if they want it, but they do need it and we want to give it to them. Thanks so much for tuning in and stay safe.